0: I'm Rena Strigel. Welcome to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Each of us has an exceptional ability to impact the world. We're here to make the world a better place by living life with awareness and fulfilling our unique purpose. It's time to break through obstacles and fear in order to stop wishing something will happen and start making a courageous life a reality. Your journey starts right now. Welcome to the Courage to Breakthrough Podcast. Today, I've got the extreme pleasure of talking with Adam Steen. I've known Adam for many years. He is an amazing businessman. He's a master networker. He's helped hundreds, if not thousands, of businesses over the course of his career, and he finds true value in helping to establish relationships which provide value to others. Today, however, I'm going to be talking to him about something that's lit—that's very near and dear to his heart. It's an incredible journey that he has been on with his wife, Casey, and their two sons. And so with that, I am very excited to introduce you to him and welcome to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Hey, Adam, good morning. I am so excited to have you on the show with us today. i super excited to talk to you about what you've got going on. And I wondered if you could just share with everybody, you know, the exciting new product that you and your wife, Casey, are in the process of developing.
1: Yeah, thank you, Rena. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, take part in this and, and share this story. Um, my wife, Casey, and I, uh, largely Casey, uh, invented a product that we call the Collar, And the Collar is, uh, from our perspective, the only product that uh, will be available on the market other than a corrective helmet for children that uh, treats and uh, essentially heals plagiocephaly. Uh, plagiocephaly is a fancy term for flat head syndrome, and there are a lot of children, actually 60% of newborns, uh, end up with plagiocephaly globally. And... Uh, we were very, um, through a series of uh, different circumstances, very blessed to have uh, Casey come up with this product that we used on our own son that effectively uh, cured his plagiocephaly and saved us from having to um, put a helmet on him uh, in order to cure the the flat head that he had.
0: Yeah, you've actually got a lot of really interesting things happening like with your family and your kids T- just introduce us to the whole family a little bit. Tell us, tell us about the boys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate that. I love talking about my family a, a lot. So my wife, Casey, uh, and I have two boys. Uh, our oldest boy is Riker James and he's four and a half and Maverick Kai K-A-I is two and a half. And they're just, uh, just the light of our eye. Uh, at this point, our, our boys are um, unique in uh, very special ways. We, um, our oldest boy, Riker, um, has uh, what's called Joubert syndrome, J-O-U-B-E-R-T. And Joubert syndrome is an extremely rare genetic brain malformation where the cerebellum in the brain uh, is underformed or underdeveloped. And Riker is one of five in Iowa that has the syndrome. And one of uh, less than a thousand known uh, in the world. It's a it's an, it's a rare disease, and uh, it is genetic. And Maverick uh, does not have Joubert syndrome. We're actually uh, you can diagnose Joubert with uh, with an MRI of the brain, and uh, Maverick was technically diagnosed by the doctors. Um, the second day of his birth, but then the specialist in Seattle looked at it and said, no, he doesn't have it. So that was a long weekend to to sort of process that. But Javert uh, leads to a lot of different things, which ultimately led to um, uh, the plagiocephaly in Riker's head. Javert is a um, a disease that uh, causes low muscle tone. There can be kidney problems, there can be liver problems, there can be speech development problems. There's all sorts of issues uh, with Javert, the spectrum disorder. And frankly, we were told uh, when Riker was diagnosed that we should not expect him to walk or talk. Uh, so that was, that was tough news to get. But then what happened was he was diagnosed with uh, torticollis, which is a fancy term for an extremely stiff neck. The torticollis uh, caused him to not be able to turn his head, which ultimately led him to laying on one spot of his head for too long, for too many days in a row, which then led to uh, plagiocephaly. So it's been a, Riker's been an unbelievable opportunity to find joy and very frustrating news along the way.
0: Yeah, so I can only imagine what that was like for you and Casey to, you know, find out that your son had such a rare illness um, talk a little bit about some of the decisions that you and Casey had to make. I know that one of the things you know that, that you were told is that he would not walk and potentially not talk and that ended up not being true so just talk a little bit about you know maybe some of the the biggest decisions that you and Casey had to make in terms of following directions of doctors or, you know, taking an alternate route. Just talk to talk to me a little bit about that. How did you handle that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I have uh, the utmost respect for Casey and her ability to be a champion for our son. We, we. Uh, uh, I have a, a business background, and Casey is a lawyer by trade, uh, and also has her MBA. MBA. She's a very sharp individual very intelligent and she's a researcher um, and we also have doctors in our family in strong ties to hospitals in the area uh, uh, but with that we also believe that we need to use our own intellect our own desire to be champions for our for our children to, to assist the doctors because frankly um, doctors do the best they can but there are times when when things are presented to them that they just they just don't know. And and parents, um, I'm sort of stealing Casey's words when I say this, but uh, parents have to become the experts uh, for their children. And uh, when we got that news, uh, for me personally, um, my background is largely athletic as well. Um, in my, I've got a family history of of professional baseball, so. When I'm holding my son in the in the delivery room, I'm thinking, this is the next professional baseball player in, in the line here. And then four months later, I'm told he'll probably never walk, probably never talk. Um, that hit me like a freight train, frankly. Um, and, and no one would have known. Casey, my wife, didn't even know uh, what that did to me. But that put me mentally into a very, very dark place. Uh, a very frustrating place. I'm a, I'm a man of faith. My wife is a woman of faith. But when you get that type of news, it, it puts you back on your heels a little bit. And so what I did is I spent um, call it 30 to 40 days just mentally trying to figure out what, what's all this look like. And uh, there was a buddy of mine um, that led me to a scripture, John chapter 9, uh, that, that really turned me around and, and turned my faith around. And, and largely, uh, it was because of uh, another thing that we were told with Riker is that we took him to an optometrist to find out if uh, if there were any tumors in the brain that were causing this issue. And they came back and told us he was blind. And so Casey's down in Omaha. I had just started a contract with the bank and she gets the news that he's blind. I'm, I'm hearing all these different things that he's not gonna walk and talk and now he's blind. Um, uh, she had uh, what she'll describe a, a supernatural peace come over to her when she, when she heard that that he was going to be blind. Um, and her peace really helped me process uh, this entire thing as well. Um, so we've really had to rely on our faith. Um, but, but then that led my wife to doing research and research and research and research, so much so that the pediatric neurologist here in Des Moines, Will call my wife when he thinks that kids in Des Moines have uh Joubert syndrome and she'll say, Look, I know enough to be deadly but but I can't read those MRIs and brain scans as well as uh, the folks out in Seattle. So we have become champions uh, for both of our children. We've helped the doctors learn things we've learned things from doctors. Um, so when we get news. That doesn't necessarily mesh well with our heart or with our heads. Um, we research it, we figure it out, and then we develop next steps from there.
0: I think that's an amazing message to everybody. Is you know really trusting your heart, trusting your instincts for when things don't seem right or don't don't seem to align with what you believe. Talk just a little bit about you know as you're faced with all of these, you know, one kind of scary piece of news after the other, you had to be dealing with quite a bit of fear and quite a bit of uncertainty. Talk a little bit about, you know, maybe what was the the biggest fear or worry that you and Casey were dealing with at that time?
1: Yeah, yeah. For me, the biggest fear, uh, the <laughs> The biggest fear I had was the fear of the unknown. I, I'm a, I'm a control freak. I'm a control your own destiny type of guy. Uh, I develop plans. I execute plans and I've always got a backstop. So if plan A doesn't work, I've got B, C, D all the way to F ready to go. Well, what I felt like I was faced with was a lot of unknowns that were completely out of my control. And once I stepped back and, and said, okay, what within this situation is in my control and how can we develop a plan of attack to, um, uh, to help our son to, to do whatever we can? Because we, you know, we come across a lot of people, frankly, in this world that um, uh, they have children that are diagnosed with this, that, or the other, and they give up and it tears their marriage apart, it tells, tears their family apart. And um, we were not going to let that happen. So what we decided to do was um, use this opportunity to to grow closer together as husband and wife, to grow closer together as family. We've had um, our extended family uh, has been a tremendous support. A lot of our friends have been a tremendous support. Um, So the fear of the unknown for me um, was very, very difficult. Um, And I believe Casey would say the same thing, that. Um, she was just, when you don't know what you don't know, it's hard not to be a little bit scared. but um, if you take a step back and figure out, okay, there's something bigger going on here. let's try to let's try to understand it and then develop steps to um, make the unknown known as best we can. Uh, uh, that helped us considerably.
0: You had to have been being faced with a lot of people who were scared for you, scared for the family. Um, you and and Casey appear to have made some decisions early on about, you know, just the way that you were going to face these challenges with Riker, the way that you were going to interface with doctors. How did you deal with, you know, the people in your life, the people who, you know, perhaps are very important, or maybe some that were not so important, but still, you know, had a voice um, who were maybe telling you that you were foolish to be optimistic or foolish to pursue things that were different than what the doctors were telling you? You know, how did you deal with some of those, the, the noise, the, the contrary noise to what you and Casey were attempting to do?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And um, I can't think of specific, specific people that were naysayers there there were situations where you sort of sensed that um you know people thought well i mean you're really just kind of hoping here that he's going to end up walking and uh, you're really just kind of hoping that these things will happen you kind of got that sense no one ever directly said it um uh but there were there were moments when um i mean financially what we were going to attempt to do didn't make sense and um, I never sought counsel on that because uh, one, I think the counsel I would have sought would have offered to pay for it. And this is something that we wanted to um, uh, just really trust the Lord and trust in what it is we could do. And the Lord showed up, just money started coming in to, to help us pay for therapies and things that weren't covered by insurance that um, no one knew we were going through these struggles, which was kind of neat that, it is added to the testimony. Like if we'd have gone out and done a GoFundMe page or a cry for help, um, people would have supported us. Um, but we chose to figure out how to do things on our own. And people would come to us and say, I don't know what's going on, but I'm supposed to give you this. And it'd be a check for 500 bucks or $500 cash or a $1,000. Uh, people would show up with with money for us that what they didn't know was that that money went directly for therapy that we felt would be would be good for Riker Um, so nobody really directly came to us and said anything that that got us down I will say one of the things that we learned um, was that uh, we were comparing Riker to other children uh, when we were in social settings and that was a big mistake because most other kids don't have this type of a syndrome or have types of issues so when Riker's two years old and he still hasn't um, walked when he's one and a half and he hasn't even rolled over there's one and a half year olds that are jumping off coffee tables and running around the house and it was really difficult mentally um, to to watch that and and compare and wonder you know why when's this going to happen for us is it going to happen for us again that that unknown so We had to do, um, we had to take control of our own destiny by not letting the noise impact us and then not trying to jump into the noise. That was big for us was to stay and very intentionally stay out of the noise. I think that
0: that's something that, you know, people just struggle with on a lot of different levels, right? Of course, there's, you know, the, the parental role where we want our children to keep up with or be slightly ahead of the age curve. We've got, you know, we just compare our own selves, you know, whether we're business owners and we're looking at another business owner and saying, well, gosh, why is that person? It it seems to come so easy. Why is it so hard for me? We have comparisons for, you know, other people around us that are similar in age. And do we have as much or are we as far along in our life as what they are? So I think we have a, a real tendency as human beings to compare and feel like we're not ahead of the mark, or we're not where we're supposed to be. So you were faced with, you know, a really difficult challenge in that. And that this is, you know, this is your baby, this is your your son, and and you know, people were potentially asking questions about why he wasn't able to do certain things, which I can only imagine just got the parental um, protection instincts like just all flared up. <laughs> So talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about, you know, how you and Casey were able to sort of deal with the fact that not only did you know your son, you know, was not keeping pace with other children his own age, but just that own instinct to protect or perhaps be, you know, overly defensive when people were just being inquisitive about him. How did, how did you two handle that?
1: (laughs) There are... There are a couple situations where, um, I, I mean, people are people and people can be extremely socially awkward. I'm, I'm, I I'm, consider myself very socially aware. Um, so I feel like I can recognize when others are very socially unaware. And there, there've been some instances where people come up and um, God, what, what's wrong with his eye? What, what's wrong with, you know, what, what's wrong here? Like some guy came up to me at a baseball game and said, does he have a club foot? Because he had braces that he was using to when he, when he finally did learn to walk, we had, we had braces on him, which are fairly common, but not so common that you wouldn't go, hey, that kid's got, you would know that the kid's got braces on and you would look twice. And so what we do in those situations is we, we pause we answer the question, no, he doesn't have a club foot, he has the following. Um, I was asked at a, a baseball game in St. Louis, um, uh, does your son have autism? Because he was staring at the giant TV, looking at all the colors and, and players that were on there. And, and I said, no, he doesn't, he's got Javert syndrome. Uh, cognitively, he's fine. And I, I, didn't even, I didn't even tell him that, but Javert doesn't affect your cognitive uh, ability. But I just said, no, he's got Jaber syndrome. And they said, well, our son is autistic. And it it opened up a story um, to let them share to me. uh, With the other guy that talked about the club foot, I just paused, answered him. And then Casey and I will discuss those things privately back at home. Because we believe people, generally speaking, are fairly ignorant to how to handle situations so they get uncomfortable. They say things it comes off wrong. And the last thing we want to do is strike at somebody when they do that. So we'll answer them very professionally, very calmly. You never know what door that opens when you do answer that question. Um, but then if we're frustrated, um, Casey and I talk about it privately later um, and talk each other down from the frustration. it's not it's not easy. it's not it's not easy. Yeah,
0: I can only imagine well you know you gave you've alluded to just a minute ago that that Riker is walking so tell the tell everybody who's listening today how is he doing today uh, because it actually yeah. is quite remarkable
1: you you may have to edit out me crying here um uh, he he is walking he's talking he's running he's dancing he's singing he's praying he's uh he's a miracle he's a walking talking miracle um he is uh uh he is a testimony that um i wish i had um he, just because it's so profound what he has been able to do and what he's been able to accomplish uh, uh the one of the catalysts for uh, his ability to walk was uh back to the money thing we we heard of a a therapy down in Decatur, georgia called tender ones therapy and We'd seen another um, Javert patient go through that therapy who was not walking. By the end of the therapy, she was walking. It's a two-week intensive. So we said, we're going. Whatever it takes, we're going to go. And through a whole series of unbelievable situations, we ended up getting down there um, and stayed in Georgia for two weeks. At the beginning of the therapy, he'd, he'd taken maybe two, maybe three independent steps and then fell over. At the end of the therapy, he took 15 steps uh, on video uh, and we knew at that point that he was going to be able to end up walking uh, independently. Um, he, that was really just a springboard for his growth and development. Uh, his speech has picked up, uh, uh, again, he's, he's delayed. He, he's behind other kids um, his age, but, but he's in um, uh, normal preschool now. He has an IEP an individual uh, uh, education plan uh, or IDP excuse me individual development plan um, and he's also got a one-on-one so he's got somebody with him but really we're to the point with Riker where um, we're challenging him and forcing him to do things uh, um, that everyone else is doing he's now um, as of a couple nights ago we're making him take our dinner plates from the table to the sink and he just loves it he picks them up and Rice and stuff will spill, but we don't care because he's smiling and taking. You know, we've got our own little little worker bee now that that can take uh, our dishes to the to the sink. So he, he's an amazing miracle, and uh, uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. He's got he's got a long ways to go, but we know he's gonna get there.
0: Yeah, talk just a little bit. I mean, I'm sure that there were innumerable people along the way that just you know, either had the right words of encouragement or, you know, kind of had the the key to unlock the next door. But if you were to identify a couple of people who were really instrumental on, uh, you know, of going from those early days with those, you know, those horrible, you know, pieces of news about your son all the way to today, who would you say were a couple of the people who were really instrumental in helping you get where you are right now as a family?
1: Yeah yeah i uh boy there's such a long list i i mean first and foremost i mean it goes without saying i mean my wife i mean that that's that has been uh the the key player um and and i I don't want to name names because there are so many people that have come alongside us that one of them is, is a friend of mine that again when we got the the news that Riker was was blind and then he wouldn't walk. I I went into that dark place, and he didn't know I was in that dark place, and he sent me, again, John chapter 9, and I read John chapter 9, and it's where Jesus heals the blind man, and, and the disciples say, why was he born blind? Was it his sins or the sins of his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus said he was born this way so that God's works could be shown through him, and that portion of scripture changed my life on a dime. Uh, I instantly realized that, okay, he was born this way for a reason, and we're going to do everything we can to figure out why. And Lord, you're leading the way, so let's just help us clear the path for us, and he's done that. So my friend that that sent me that scripture, um, uh, I've got workout buddies that just let me commiserate and talk, and um, i've got a buddy who's a surgeon and moved to south dakota that um, uh, we'd meet every friday morning for at 5 a.m and talk for two hours about life and in their times when he had struggles and i had struggles and we just we shared and we talked um, my pastor uh, at, at our church um, uh, would listen to me give me advice and thoughts and um there's so many people my parents uh, casey's parents they just there, we've got a whole circle of support that has deepened that you, you, we always kind of knew was there, but now it's proven to be there. And, And that's a big deal because we lean on different people at different times, really depending upon the situation.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think that that's so amazing because there has to be, you know, to create that, that circle, there has to be a level of vulnerability with people. And, you know, a lot of times in our life, when we're going through kind of the worst things, those are the times where we don't really want people to know we're struggling. We don't want people to know we've, you know, maybe got a financial issue or that we're just feeling depressed or we're we're unhappy in some way. And so talk to, you know, how did you and Casey kind of overcome perhaps that tendency to maybe not want everybody to know that you weren't, you know, these super strong, awesome parents that were just handling it like rock stars. Because I think that that's kind of a tendency. So just how did you and Casey deal with that, that opening up, that being vulnerable piece?
1: Yeah. um, I think for me, vulnerability, wasn't difficult for me because I know that being vulnerable gives the opportunity for a real relationship um, I from time to time I have uh, I can discern that somebody's not telling me the truth uh, and they're not being real with me mm-hmm. and so I'll ask questions to get to the real issue and they may or may not choose to to divulge that which is fine but if they don't if they aren't willing to get to the real issue, then we'll never really get to know each other that well, uh, because uh, it's those vul- it's those crisis moments. it's those vulnerable situations where you can really choose to um, to share your heart and let somebody know exactly who you are. And I've never um, my parents would probably laugh at this, but've I've never had a problem sharing my opinions and who I am probably to a fault sometimes, but um, this was a different level of vulnerability, and when I first started to talk about some of what I was going through after that 30 to 40 day um, sort of darkness, um, I said, Casey, I don't know if you do this, but I've been in a bad spot, and now here's where I'm headed. Here's what I'm thinking. She had no clue, but it helped her because she realized that here is her husband who isn't as strong as he claims to be, you know, he's, he's got, he, he's soft and there's some, some things he's dealing with. So it helped encourage her to then be vulnerable. It helped her start her blog. It helped um, us give speeches and talks and um, uh, Because when we're vulnerable every single time it opens up an avenue for someone else to be vulnerable and then we have a conversation and we're able to try to help or assist and frankly um, we know that it helps other people but it really helps us because it shows us again this happened for a reason and we're not going to waste that reason we're going to we're going to take full advantage of it we're going to be vulnerable uh, because we know that that's that's the moment that's going to create true relationship uh, out there
0: yeah you and you just mentioned that Casey had started a blog you know that I talk a little bit about the blog and and what Casey is writing about and sharing with people there.
1: Yeah her blog is uh at withfaithandgratitude.com and she just felt like she needed to start sharing her story and sharing some things that she was learning and um, it's funny, and I would say this if she weren't sitting, if, if she weren't here, or if she were here. Um, uh, I challenged her, I said, if you start a blog, I said, don't set the expectation that you have to write every single week. You know, Make sure that you're writing with relevancy. And so um, she wants to write more. Um, when she writes, uh, thousands of people read it, uh, and people comment, and they say things, and they said, this is exactly what I need to hear um, because she's sharing from her heart. She's being vulnerable. She's sharing her experiences. She wrote a blog about not comparing. Uh, 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 and what happens is, is that people read it um, and people call her and people text her. And she's got a whole network of people that she supports um, uh, emotionally uh, because people need it. They're, they're lacking an avenue uh, to talk to people about what they're going through. It's primarily uh, Joubert and, and development related, um, but it's opened up a ministry for her where she's reaching people in Indonesia. Um, there's a, a missionary family in Indonesia that um, we've connected with. There was um, a couple from Indiana that we've connected with, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, and so she's really used that in, as an used it as an avenue um, to share her heart knowing that it's going to impact the right people at the right time.
0: That's amazing. That's really great. Because again, that, that kind of speaks to, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? We believe that the more vulnerable we are, the more real we are with people, the less people will want to know us because we're not in our perfect form. And what you're finding is the more you share, the more vulnerable you are, the more you're creating this amazing community of people who can support each other. So I think that that's yeah. a, a great testament to just being brave and, and being willing to put your story out there for people so that they know that they're not alone. If you were to look back at all of this, is there anything that you wish that you would have done differently than what you did?
1: Hmm. Wow. Um, I really can't think of anything that that I would have done differently, and that's not a. Um, I, I am somebody that that I don't, I don't live with regrets, um, but I I live every day as intentional as I possibly can, and part of that intentionality is it, intentionality is doing the best that I can to the best of my ability. Um, you know, there there are some times where, you know, I doubted when the first when the diagnosis came out. Of Joubert from some random doctor in Seattle and my wife tells me that doctor so-and-so in Seattle says he's got Joubert um, yeah I doubted initially and I thought you know, I, I think I said who, who is this guy who's this guy I think he is you know um, but that's just part of me and how I was gonna have to process my way through it and understand that there are people that know more than I do and there are people that I need to learn to trust uh, quicker especially when it relates to things that are so far out of my comfort zone and out of my area of expertise. But I can't think of anything um, that, that I would have done differently. And, and I would assume my wife would say something similarly um, because everything is just uh, ended up working out so well that I wouldn't want to change where we're at today um, you know, based on something different in the past.
0: Yeah, what, what would be a couple of pieces of advice that you would have for you know, families that are either you know, going through something similar where they've gotten a diagnosis that has a lot of you know, potentially bad outcomes attached to it or you know, even someone that's just inside their own life where they're maybe not achieving the results they wish they were and that, that they, they're stuck in some way. What would be some advice that you would give to them?
1: Yeah, from a uh, from a family perspective, from a child perspective, uh, the first thing I would say is you're not alone. Uh, uh, and the real key with not being alone uh, is that you probably uh, have a spouse, you probably have family with you. Um, so know that you're not alone from that regard. And then also know that you're not alone uh, in the challenges that you're facing, whatever it is with with a child or, or a loved one, because there, there are groups out there that are experiencing the, th- the same thing. You just have to go find them. Um, and, and along the same lines of you not being alone, don't let yourself become alone. Don't isolate yourself. One of the natural things uh, uh, to do is to isolate yourself from others. Um, again i isolated myself for about 40 days um mentally um no one knew it i was still there i was still in the room but mentally i was so far gone that i had i isolated myself from others and in my mind was just was running circles on me trying to process all this don't let that happen uh, talk to others share with others uh, open up with others because frankly Um, these types of situations um, uh, you can build much much stronger relationships and you can come together I see in this it may be that the fathers are working but um, in the therapies that I go to um, and we've gone all across the country the hospital visits all across the country um, I rarely see uh, a male figure uh, with other families that are around it's usually the mother, the grandmother, and the child. Um, I would I would run up to a father and, and I would say, do not leave, do not quit. Uh, this family needs you, you need to stay in this situation. Uh, it's not your fault, it's not their fault, it's nobody's fault. Learn why you're in this situation and, and do not pull back from this. Um, again, they may be working um, or something, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Pretty much everywhere we go, the the father figure is is not around. Um, I've deliberately chosen um, uh, to stick around on a regular basis, probably more than my wife would like, but uh, I'm there and and I'm going to be there. From a business perspective, uh, for me, this, this transfers directly into business. If you're struggling with business, if your business isn't working, if your relationships aren't working within business, Take a pause and try to figure out why that is. You may have isolated yourself. Um, you may uh, be comparing yourself. Everybody's created differently. Um, but take a pause, figure out who you are as a person, figure out where you fit in relationally with others, and then go out and be very, very intentional and intentional about creating relationships, building bridges, being vulnerable, um, because I, I'm telling you, You'll find yourself with a circle of influence around you that uh, you can impact the globe if, if you so choose. But it takes you being willing to pause, uh, figure out who you are, and then open up and be vulnerable to people around you.
0: One of the things you mentioned just a few minutes ago was that that you and Casey really sought out resources, you know, that that you're encouraging people to do that. I think that, you know, one of the things that I've seen with people is sometimes they get stuck in that. You know, they know they need some help or they need they want to meet a certain kind of person. And the answer is I just don't know what to do. I'm stuck. So what would you advise people who are experiencing that? That I know I need something, but I don't know how to get it or how to connect with it. What would you advise them?
1: Yeah, it's um, a great question because that's a very common issue that I run across uh, across personally and professionally. Um, what I want to say is just go do it. Um, but I know that's that's that not a lot of people are wired to just just go do it. Um, I would say, again, take a step back and pause, Um, get a whiteboard, get some sort of uh, giant piece of paper that you can just write out a list of things um, that uh, you want to accomplish and and want to achieve and then prioritize them. Um, Frankly, uh, uh, I laid out my priorities about 10 years ago um, and I've got five of them. They're faith, family, church, country, and business. And if what I'm going to do next doesn't fall in line with those priorities, I cross it off the list and call it a distraction. Um, So I've learned to prioritize very intentionally every decision that I make uh, every single day. Um, So I'm comfortable that every step I take is exactly the direction I need to go. doesn't mean I'm always right. It means that when I go, I may have to correct And then go, okay, I got to go this way, I got to go that way, but I'm still moving forward and I'm moving towards achieving goals. I think what people do is uh, they want to be Tony Robbins or they want to be president whoever. And so they just get frustrated and think, why am I not Tony Robbins? I've got to be Tony Robbins. Well, there's years and years and years of preparation and planning. That need to take place in order to get to those steps so we live in you know the Amazon world now you can order something and the next day it's on your doorstep well um, that type of uh, uh, lifestyle isn't reality when it comes to um, becoming who it is you want to be it takes people years to get to the level where um, they can they can reach the platform they want to be at and sustain that platform so I would say that um, focusing uh, on priorities, uh, focusing on preparation and planning and taking small steps every single day to achieve whatever goal it is that, that you want to achieve would be, um, would be an absolute plan for success, but you've got to be patient because it ain't, it ain't going to happen overnight. And if it does happen overnight, uh, you won't be um, physically and mentally prepared to handle what it is that's coming your way.
0: I think that's really great advice. As you were talking, I was thinking about Riker and, you know, he's four now, right? Four, and you know, just really getting, you know, mastering some of the skills that maybe he would have normally mastered it, you know, between one and two. And, and I, I was just thinking about how that was, you know, preparation and daily activity that was preparing him to be able to get where he is today and you know what a kind of a testament to patience that would be for you and Casey as you're watching you know your son struggle to do some basic things where you've got another son that maybe picked that up quite a bit faster and now you've got Mm -hmm. two sons that are you know tearing your house apart just like two normal little boys which is amazing it's so that's so wonderful and probably someday we're gonna See him telling his story on the big stage and inspiring people all around the world because he's overcome such a a, a devastating diagnosis. Just in closing, Adam, you know, I think that everything that you've said, it's it's so applicable. And I hope that people are listening and, and really looking at Riker's story as a, you know, kind of a testament to all of us in terms of the things that we can learn from a little boy who didn't know that he wasn't supposed to do any of this stuff. And yet, and he's probably wondered along the way, like, where are we going and why are we doing this? And, and I'm sure he's <laughs> spent some days fairly frustrated too because a child that can't do what they want to do gets pretty frustrated. But I hope that listeners are, are able to see a little bit of Riker in some of our own behaviors and some of the things that we have to overcome as adults, as business people navigating the world is there anything that you would want to leave as sort of a you know the voice of encouragement for you know people who are you know maybe facing something that they're they're feeling like i should give up or i should change my direction or i should or this was maybe stupid or this wasn't what i was supposed to do because this is too hard so it must be the wrong thing is there anything that you'd leave as a as a word of encouragement for people who are going through that right now
1: yeah. I think that type of challenge is one of the biggest challenges our, our country faces today. Um, people um, are stuck. People are giving up either trying to climb a ladder. They're giving up uh, because they faced a circumstance. Um, and They're giving up thinking that there's no outlet or no other place to go and i would just encourage people to again pause take a step back shut your phone off shut your computer off shut facebook off shut shut all those distractions off we we are bombarded with distraction so much so that we aren't letting our brains think we're not using our brains we're not using what god's given us Um, Uh, to solve problems to figure out the right paths Uh, sure there are some people uh, that uh, that need to make a change Um, but some people need to just change what they're doing in the situation that they're in and you'll never know that unless you pause and think through what it is that that you could do or or what you should do Uh, but I would be encouraged because you're not alone There are people out there that are in the same spot you're in. Um, uh, And and I would sort of close with this, and it's a a comment that um, my pastor made from the pulpit and then in private meetings with me that um, the time to build bridges uh, are not when the crisis crisis has occurred. So um, you need to build bridges now, uh, build relationships now, in advance of the crisis that will occur we're either we're going into a crisis we're in a crisis or we're coming out of a crisis and if we're coming out of a crisis another crisis is coming so and that's not a doomsday statement that's just the world we live in and that's just 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 life in general so be encouraged that everybody goes through those cycles but also be encouraged that um, uh, that relationships are out there for you to form now, and and I would encourage anybody to start forming relationships, build bridges to others, uh, uh, be vulnerable when you do it, so that uh, when that crisis occurs, regardless of how big or how small, um, you'll have people there to walk across that bridge with you, get you to the other side, um, and then you can pay that forward uh, to others along the way
0: i think that's great advice adam thank you so much if the listeners are would like to connect with you and casey in some way um could you just share how they could do that i'll make sure that we get that in the show notes so that people can find that in written form but could you just share how you'd like people to connect with you
1: yeah the the best way for me um frankly is is texting my cell phone um that's i know i say eliminate distractions but text my cell phone I've also got an email address, asteen at onlyworkforyou.com. But my wife's blog um, is a great resource um, and she's very responsive on that. And that's withfaithandgratitude.com. All spelled out withfaithandgratitude.com.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll make sure that, that listeners can get a hold of you. And thank you so much for your time this morning. It was, It's always awesome to hear about how Riker are, is doing and how your family is coming through this. So thanks for sharing with everybody. And we'll talk to you again really soon. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Rena. This is Rena Striggle, and you have been listening to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Please visit my website at renastrigle.com And find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspirational episode where you will hear how real-life people just like you have discovered the courage to break through.